This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, good morning. Just, uh, good morning, son. I <laughs> oh, love the 1030. It's so great. Uh, well, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Mario. and just want to say it's so good to be able to be with you this morning. Um, it's just, it's a pleasure and a light, and really, to, and I, uh, it struck me even as I was saying those words, to be with you this morning, that m- actually means something, um, and I think it'll make a whole lot more sense in a moment. Um, you see, just a, a few weeks ago, um, we were uh, leaving my, my mother-in-law's house and headed back to our house. Um, if you're familiar with Paul's Bow, um, we, we live kind of by the high school, and then there's sort of a sort of four-way stop um, right, at, right at the corner of the high school. And so we were um, making our way there. It was, it was dark uh, late in the evening. Well, not too late in the evening, but it was dark. It could be like 3 o'clock and it's dark right now, right? It's just the, the season we're in. But um, it, was, it was a little bit later. Um, it was dark. And when we got to the, the four-way stop, and we were going to head up towards Rob Park Hill. So we, we stopped. And um, I started to drive through the intersection. And as I did, it seemed like out of nowhere, this truck, I don't know if it had its lights on even, but it just started to barrel through the intersection as we were starting to make our way through. And um, it was coming right for us. And I just slammed on the brakes. I just froze in that moment. Like the slam on the brakes, just like, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. And, and I just remember in that moment, as that happened, I don't know if you've ever had these moments where it's like a thousand things, a thousand thoughts can happen in like an, a millisecond. Have you ever had that before? Like there, there was one of those moments where it just like so much went on in my mind in that moment. And, and you know, one of them was like, uh, my life is probably going to end right now. Like this is the end. Um, the other thing I thought about is like in my family, like what's, what's going to happen to them as, as this car is coming, this truck is coming right towards us to, to absolutely destroy us. All of those things, like just in an instant, all of those, that, that image, those thoughts came through my mind of what was going on, what could take place, what happened. And so we hit the brakes. I hit the brakes, and we're sitting there, and this truck comes barreling right at us. And at the last second, it just it, it barely slows down, but it just rips on the wheel. I'm assuming the guy ripped on the wheel, and it just took the corner, just flying around the corner, and just missed our van. Just It seemed like it was so close in which it missed, just right on by. And I remember that as that thing went whipping down the road, we didn't see who it was. We'll probably never know who it was. We couldn't identify it. But that thought of... I can't believe I'm still alive right now, went through my mind. Thank God I'm alive. You know what I'm saying? So I went through the, the intersection, and I, I was driving down and coming up, and that was the thought as, as I was going through, just like that my heart was pounding like crazy, and, it's like the, and I'm holding onto the steering wheel, and I can just feel my hand shaking as I'm driving the rest of the way home, going like, thank you, Lord, I'm alive. Um, of course, uh, my boys are in the back going, Man, that would have been awesome if we had gotten hit. I'm like, are you? <laughs> keep living, children. Keep living, please. Like, you, you just don't know. And, and, and there was just, we, then there was just sort of a silence, at least a silence of me thinking, thank you, Lord, I'm alive. I, I, I should not be here right now. And maybe you've had moments like that before uh, where you, that, that sense comes up for you. And maybe um, for you, there's just a sense of God's mercy and God's grace in your life or mercy just being brought to you. Uh, maybe for you, it's a financial situation where you know that something should not have worked out. Um, you had no way forward, but it seemed like out of nowhere, it seemed like as if money came or the finances came for the certain situation that you're in. 
And a cause is that sense of like only by the grace and mercy of God. Maybe it's a relationship that you, you know that you did something in that relationship that you know that that relationship should have ended. But that person chose to offer mercy and grace to you. And there's a gratitude that comes. Maybe for you, um, you might have been um, going at uh, speeds that go beyond what the, the speed limit sign says. And um, you were notified of such advances in speed. And you were... Um, and your notification, you know that you usually would get something that would, you would get to turn into the judge about that. Um, but in the mercy of that person in that moment, they didn't give you the ticket that you deserve. And there's a sense of gratitude in that. Maybe um, for you, um, you know that you did something that you know you should have been grounded for. <laughs> but in the mercy of your parents, they let you off the hook. Say so. <laughs> or maybe, maybe just maybe, like you, for all intents and purposes, you know that you shouldn't be alive today, but only by the grace of God, because he showed up in a specific instance that should have been the end of your life. He showed up. And it's only by his grace, only by his mercy, that you're sitting here today. Have you had that kind of experience before, something like that, where you've experienced the mercy of someone, the mercy and grace of someone? You know, it's something that, that really should, and it, it can change us from the inside out. But, but here's the problem. We have those moments, and it strikes us deeply. As I said, I was driving home, and my hands were shaking. But time passes, and I go on about my life, forget about those moments, and things just keep on rolling. We live in a society where everything happens so quickly and things move so fast that those moments that should impact us deeply, we forget them when we keep moving on to the next thing. We're, we sit and we're, we're steeping in a society that calls us to move in that direction. And that is why we're in this series called Magnify, where we slow down and recognize what has been given to us, who is before us, and what season we're stepping into. And as we do, we step into what we're calling, the, it's called the Magnificat, Mary's Song. And in it, we get to hear attributes of God, because as we do, we get to know who God is so we can better understand who we are. And so this morning, I just want to invite you to take in and read um, the words that are being offered by Mary. Let's take a look at this.
Mary in that night where uh, she's having conversation, her heart is filled, and she starts to sing. And as she does, she offers up words in this poetic song of, of who God is. And over these past few weeks, if you're just joining us for the first time, you're entering a conversation that we've been in for the past few weeks, she starts to name the attributes of God. Not all of them, but many of them. And what we've come to see in this, in this passage um, is we see her describing God as the Almighty One. And if he's almighty, what does that mean to us that has implications for us? She describes him as the holy one, that God is holy, holy other. And again, what does that mean for us? If he is holy and he calls us, we heard last week, we're called to be holy as well. And so we pick up the conversation today on another aspect that she describes God as and what that means for our lives. She says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 50. She says, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. That word mercy is something that we're gonna camp on today because in many ways, um, I, I've, I've read this passage of scripture multiple times throughout life and as I have, it's like a read that line, read the next line, read the next line, keep, kind of keep going. Yep, he's this, he's this, keep going. And, and, and maybe for you, that's been your experience. You're just reading through the passage and just trying to get through it or, you know, just taking in the whole thing as a, as, a, as a whole text. But to zero in in this moment where she says he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. It's a simple, really simple line, but it's dripping with meaning if we allow ourselves to sit in it for a moment. If we allow ourselves to kind of just let it be with us, I think that it'll change us. I think it'll change us from the inside out. There will be different people if we allow the reality of that statement to sit inside of our hearts. You know, I wonder what was going on for Mary in that moment as she said that part of the song. As she sang, I don't know if she sang it, if she said it, we do know it's poetry. And I just wonder for her, what was going on in her mind? What image would be there? And I started to wonder if, if her mind went back to a moment with this guy named Moses. You see, way before Mary ever hit the scene, um, there's a whole narrative, a whole story about the people of God. And before Mary, way back, there was this guy named Moses. He was leading the people of Israel. And Moses um, had a real unique relationship with God. In fact, all the people of Israel at that time, they would set up camp. And as they would set up camp, people would have their, the different tents that they would be in. They would set up, be set up by tribe. But outside the camp, there was another tent that sat outside of it. And at that tent, that was a spot where Moses met with God. It was called the tent of meeting. And Moses, in Exodus 33, it lets us know Moses met there with God just like a friend would meet with a friend. God and him would have conversations and one of the conversations that God had with Moses during this time is he said, you know what? I'm not going to be going with you people. I'm telling you, Moses, you need to get up, you need to leave this place, and you need to head out towards the promised land. I have it in store for you. I've set it up for you, but I'm not going with you. These people, they're rebellious. They're stubborn. They won't listen to me. So get up and go. And so Moses, later on, has that conversation with God that says, um, okay, God, I know that you said that you're telling us to go, but if we're going to go, who's going to go with us? Like, you haven't told me who you're going to send with me if I'm going to go make this journey with these people. And God says, well, Moses, I'll go with you. You're a pretty good guy. I'll go with you, but the people I'm not going to go with. And Moses says, well, um, here's, God, here's the deal. 
I'm going with those people. So if you go with me, that means you're going to have to go with these people. So I need you to go with me because we need to head someplace and I need somebody to lead us. In fact, God, if you're not going to go, then don't send me. I don't want to go without you. And so in one of the most odd exchanges in Scripture, God agrees. says, good, I'll go. And Moses makes a request of God in that moment. And he says, before we go, would you show me your glory? And God agrees to do it. And so God says, hey, take some new tablets of stone and meet me on the mountain. And so Moses moves from the tent of meeting and he heads up to the mountain. He has two new tablets of stone because he broke the last pair. And so he gets up to the, to the top and, and he's there. And God says, but I need you to know this. You can't see my face. There's too much goodness there. What I'm going to do is going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when I go by, then I will let you see my presence. You get to see my back. And so Moses agrees to this and he makes his way up to the mountain. And as he does, God indeed does the very thing that he said he's going to do. The, the very presence of glory of God shows up on that mountain and he goes by Moses. And once he does, the most fascinating thing takes place. What Moses sees and experiences first, all the same says, what he experiences first is the voice of God. And God, in his glory, this is what he reveals. The very first thing, it says this. The voice of God calls out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion. And I know it's, it's hard to see it in yellow here, but the God of compassion and the God of mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. You know, I wonder if Mary was thinking about that when she said that about God in that moment. Years and years and years later. I wonder if she was thinking about this moment, this God who reveals himself with compassion and mercy. And I just want us, before we get too much further, I want us to notice something. God reveals himself to humanity. He reveals himself to Moses. And I want you to notice how he reveals himself. God could have revealed himself in any way that he wanted in that moment. It would have been true if God came and said, I am God, I am the powerful one, the strong one who will bring destruction on anyone who comes against me and my ways. That would have been a true thing to say. But God didn't start there. Instead, God chooses to start in a particular place, to say that I am Yahweh, the Lord, the loving one, the merciful one, the compassionate one. Let that sink in, because here's the reality. So many of you, well, I'll say that so many people can live in this world and not be able to understand or hear the voice of God. They're able to hear condemnation real easily, but hearing the voice of God, it's so much more difficult. I don't know what God sounds like. What I would encourage you in this does it sound like a voice of compassion and mercy? Because if it is, it's likely closer to the voice of God because that's how he first reveals himself. It's a starting place. God is a merciful God. So mercy, what does that mean? What does it even mean for God to be merciful? And that was something that was kind of sitting with me because I've heard the word, I've seen it, but not really know what it meant. And I came to, to, to learn that mercy is really a word that kind of sits underneath love. 
When you get to, there's love and then there's mercy. And there's so many ways in scripture that, that mercy ends up being, uh, being talked about because it's a hard word to try to just define. And so even in scripture, that word mercy is used in so many different ways. So when we come across words like kindness and loving kindness, goodness, grace, favor, gracious faithfulness, pity, compassion, or steadfast love, we know when we see those words, we're in the realm of mercy. That's what it means to be merciful. One commentator says this, what stands out in the concept of mercy is the compassionate disposition to forgive an offender or adversary and to help spare him in his sorry plight. In his sorry plight. A picture of mercy that the psalmist gives to describe God is a father who pities his children. These children who trust him. Psalm 103 says this, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. There's that word compassion. Mercy somehow wrapped up into that. You know what mercy looks like? Mercy looks like uh, a friend of mine who came over to my house one day. We were out, outside. It was during the summer. We had a little backyard barbecue going, and um, he was in the backyard and, and uh, cooked them up some burgers, had a good time. And the way that our, our yard kind of sits is a small space, but it, it, the way our land is, it's kind of like it's a little flat spot, and then it has an angle of a hill, and then it's flat again. Flat spots, we started to build garden, garden boxes. So we were, had garden boxes built it out of wood. Um, it was really nice when we first built it, but as you know, time goes on. And um, those garden boxes, because um, I was involved with building them, um, they did not look as nice as they could have. Uh, time went on. So this friend of mine, he's in the backyard, and uh, we're having a good time, and um, he heads home for the evening. And I get a phone call from him from the next day. And he says, uh, hey, Mario, just want to let you know, uh, I'm going to be coming over next week, and um, I'm going to fix your garden boxes because they are pathetic. <laughs> it's, in essence, it's really what it's coming down to. I see you, and in my mercy, I'm going to give pity on you to fix those garden boxes because um, they're hurting Mario. And uh, only by the grace of this man do I still have a garden box today to do stuff in. So um, his grace and his mercy is so good, and it shows up in so many different ways. That's what it looks like to offer mercy. God offers mercy to us. But here's the deal about mercy. You see, I would love to be able to be in a spot where I could talk about, simply talk about the mercy of God. And that, that's really where a lot of the conversation goes today. Is we want to talk about the, 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 the softer parts of God, the nice parts of God. We just talk about you know, the God is loving and he's merciful and he's good and he's kind, he's compassionate. Yes, that's true. And if we're going to be true to the nature of, and totality of who God is, we've got to talk about who he is in his totality. Yes, he is merciful, but God is also just. And it's only to the extent that we understand justice that we will truly uh, respond well to mercy. You see, in that same passage, when Moses was sitting there and God passes by and he says, I am the great and compassionate one. I am filled full of mercy. I wish I could tell you that that's all that God had to say. But he didn't. 
God continues on as he passes by and reveals himself. You know what he says? He continues on and he says this. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children into the third and fourth generation. Yes, I'm a God who's compassionate, but I also need to deal with the guilty. That's part of the package. That's who I am. That's the way that I deal with life because justice must be a part of the picture. I have to do, deal with the guilty. And, and here's the dilemma. Um, if you're wondering like, how we fit into this whole idea of being guilty, the reality is we can just read ourselves into this right here because we're all guilty. You see, Scripture lets us know later on that we have all sinned and have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so, really, we're in a spot where we all deserve the judgment of God. We all deserve what's coming to us because he does not excuse the guilty. We deserve that. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things that really rubs me. Like, if you want to tell like, what, what, what kind of like gets me going nowadays it's this whole idea of, of deserving. Because we, you can't turn on any ad for too long on a commercial or on, on ads, whatever, whatever platform that you watch. If there's any ad that comes up, that's sort of the message of today, especially during the holiday season. Hey, you should get this product because you deserve it. Hey, you should get this experience because you deserve it. You deserve it because of just you being you. And you've done so much good in the world that you just, you, you, you deserve some goodness in your life. You deserve it. It goes even beyond this whole idea of what we see in commercials. It gets played out into our larger society, doesn't it? Because even as, as black people, there's a sense that say, hey, we deserve reparations. We hear that in our language today, don't we? Hmm. Well, according to the scriptures, here's the reality of the situation. For humanity, we deserve three things. We deserve death, hell, and the grave. That's what we deserve, according to scripture. We don't deserve anything else because we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we, that, if you want to talk about what we deserve, we deserve separation from God. And if we come to understand that reality, that that is our place in life, then we really start to recognize and can give thanks for the mercy that God gives to us. Peter says it in this way, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. You see, do you hear that even in judgment, there's the mercy of God? He is slow in what he's, he's, he's meant to do. There will be a day of judgment, but he's holding on because he longs for every single person. He longs for every person to come to know who he is, to have relationship with him. We serve a God who sees us in the state that we're in and yet continues to pursue us, even sending his own son. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he pursues us so that we could be saved not only from hell and eternity, but that we could be saved from ourselves here and now. Because do you know that we have a good way of messing up our world when we left to ourselves? Have, have you noticed that? Or is it just me? We need salvation here and now today. Paul says it this way to the people of Ephesus. 
He said, but God, and, and I know if it's going to come up on the screen here, it says, but God, and this is in yellow here, but maybe you can see it, and if you can, can you read it with me? But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And parenthetically, he goes on to say, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It goes on to say, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Peter says it in this way, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by what? It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If you could just let that sink in for a moment. The God of the universe pursues you. He could have left you. You deserve to not be gone after, but in his mercy, he pursues you. So much so that he sent the son. And when Christ raised from the grave, he invited you to come along with him. How about that for a message? You see, I don't know if this is the song, if, this, if that Moses moment of being on the mountain with God, I don't know if that's the moment that Mary had in mind. But what I do know is that the God that's revealed in the scriptures, that's the God that was being spoken of. This God who, as Mary said, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. He offers mercy if you're willing to fear, if you're willing to step out. And so there's this part of it that God goes 99.9% of the way and offers his mercy. And then there's our part in that in which we have to choose to receive the mercy that he's giving us. We have to say, yes, God, thank you so much for the offer of mercy. I choose to take that in. I choose to take it in. And I love the way that she says it to all who fear him. That might be a really odd phrase, but think about it in this way. It's us fearing him. It's us having a reverent obedience. It's saying, God, yes, I recognize who you are, how holy you are, and I choose to come underneath you. Mercy is shown to that kind of person. And you see, when you do that, what I would suggest, and I don't use this word too often, but I'm going to use it here, is that something should take place within us. When we recognize where we should be and recognize what God has done for us and we receive it, something should change inside of us. Something should well up within us and that something is something called gratitude that says, thank you, God, for what you've done. I've seen where I was and I've seen where you've taken me to if I've said yes to you and gratitude gets to be generated in our hearts. And as gratitude is generated within us, there's something that should not be just sit within us, but it flows out of us to a world that's so desperately in need, this gratitude. So I, my wife and I, we were on a, a, a date drive. Um, our, our dates usually consist of grabbing a chai and driving. Um, that's, maybe you're more romantic, but that's what we got going at the moment. And so um, we went on a drive, and uh, we, went to, we went to Bainbridge. And as we headed to Bainbridge, um, there's a road called Day Road. Maybe you know where that's at. And um, Day Road, we, we hung a left and started going up. And on the right side, um, there was this field that's on the right as you were driving past. We were driving past, and there were all these pumpkins, which I thought, that's kind of cool. This, this was just like two days ago. Last Friday, I did this. And there was all of these pumpkins. And the pumpkins were lined up in such a way, actually, to, to create a word. 
this huge, huge, huge um, lineup of letters, and all spelled out, it spelled the word gratitude with all these pumpkins. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know if these, when I'm just saying, like, if you've got nothing else going on in the day, check it out. It's, it's, it's worth the drive. It's worth the drive. I don't know if these people know Jesus. I don't know if they, if they have any relationship with God, but they've got something figured out. They've recognized that whatever it is that they have, they know they need to be grateful for it at least. They know that it's not something that they came up with on their own. Or maybe, maybe they just simply want to offer something in this world that's not seen too often. And just to simply send a message to people, hey, be grateful. You're alive today. Be grateful. Gratitude. You see, when God does something within us, there's this calling for us to pass it along. You see, if we don't, scriptures let us know that, that if we choose to live this life where we just take in and we don't give away, that's problematic. And God makes that really clear through the author James James writes these words. He says, so whatever you say or do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. He goes on and says this. Here's the warning. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. (laughs) But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So somehow there seems to be this interplay between what's happening between us and God and how we treat other people. Jesus says it in a more positive way. He says this, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You see, while those warnings and benefits are true, the desired motivation for showing mercy that God ultimately wants is that there's something that's been changed within us, and out of gratitude, we naturally just say, God, how can I help and show mercy to others because of what you have given to me? So what does mercy look like? Well, I believe it looks like a a moment in which Jesus is walking down the road. And as he is, he sees this guy sitting in a tax collecting booth. And tax collectors, they were hated by the people that were around them. Because usually they were kind of known as the people who would not just take from the Jews like the taxes that they were supposed to get, but they would go a little bit further and take a little bit on the side for themselves. So people didn't like these tax collectors. And yet Jesus, as he's walking by, he sees one of these tax collectors and he says, hey, come follow me. And that guy, whose name is Matthew, got up and followed Jesus. And as he did, Matthew decided, eh, I'm going to do something with this guy, Jesus. And so he grabs all of his tax collector friends, all these reputable sinners, and brought them all together. And then he brings Jesus. And they all sit down and have a meal together. So if you can imagine the scene, all these tax collectors, Jesus and his disciples. The religious people of the day didn't like that too much. And they come up to the disciples and they said, listen to, these, listen to the language here. Why is your teacher sitting and eating with such scum? Scripture lets us know that Jesus heard this. And his response is worth reading. It says this. He says, you know what? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture I want you to show what? I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is the heartbeat of Jesus. He is constantly calling people to himself. 
He's drawing people. And as he calls us, we get the opportunity to bring whoever it is within our sphere and bring them closer to Jesus that something new might take place. The scriptures call us to give financially to those who are in need. Scriptures, if you look at scripture, you can't get throughout it without recognizing that there's a call to be merciful, especially to the widows and the orphans. You see, we show compassion in practical ways with people in our family, with people in our extended family, with those that we have a relationship with, with those within the faith community. So when people look around and they're going like, what is with these people? They seem to take care of each other. They seem to love each other. Why do they do that? Well, we can answer the question, can't we? Because someone's been merciful to us. And then we offer and extend that same grace, that same mercy to anyone that we come in contact with. You know, I wonder for some of us if we struggle with this idea of of where we're going to offer mercy because maybe you just don't have those outlets in your life right now. If that's true, I want to let you know what I love about Gateway is that Gateway does. There are many opportunities available. You know, we partner with Scarlet Road who help women and men get out of a life of being sex trafficked. You can be a part of that. You can help with that. You can show mercy in that area. Olive Crest, who we partner with, that helps foster kids so they can feel safe and loved. With Coffee Oasis, Oasis, we partner with them, helping kids at risk to find jobs and the training that they need. With Pregnancy Resource Services, helping pregnant women uh, make decisions to keep their babies. We partner with Western and Washington Coalition of Life to get the word out about alternatives to abortion. Right here at Gateway, we offer opportunities for people to be involved. We have a ministry called Life Matters, where we help and support pregnant young women who decide to keep their babies instead of aborting them. We have a severe weather shelter, and I know that for many of us, over this past week when we had the snowpocalypse that came on, many of us, myself included, was in a nice warm home, while at the same time, there were men and women who chose to sacrifice their comfort, to come down, to be a blessing to people, to show mercy. You can be a part of that because people are in need. We also have a benevolence ministry that's simply just a way of giving because as Tom said earlier, more and more people are coming on our doors asking, can you help? Can you help? And maybe you can't get up and do something and be physically involved in a certain way, but you can give and make a difference and show mercy by the act of giving. You see, we're all called in some way to be a part of this mercy that we have received. And so the question I have for us this morning is, who can you show mercy to? Who can you show mercy to? You know, for you, if you're saying, like, I would like to be involved in one of those areas, um, that number that Tom gave us earlier, 360-209-8040, if you just text in the word shelter to that number, our team will get back to you. And you're like, well, I don't want to be a part of the shelter. I want to be a part of something else that you mentioned. Yeah, just text in shelter. We'll help you get connected to the right spot. Let's make a difference during this Christmas season. I want to pray for us in just a moment, but here's what I know, that when I talk about mercy, some of us in this place are in a spot with God where you say, I'm not worthy of receiving mercy. Mario, if you knew what I did in my life, what I did in this past week. How could God have mercy on me? I mean, really, could God's mercy extend towards me? And the answer is yes, emphatically, yes. His mercy and his grace extends as far, just that far and even further. 
some of us in this place, as we get ready to respond, you know where your heart is at. You're at a spot in which you know you have received much, but you've given away little. And the Spirit's speaking to you about that. And it'll be an opportunity for you to respond. Some of us, you've never said yes to Jesus because the only version of God that you have heard of is a God who is just, who will destroy you if you make a mistake. But you've never heard about this God of compassion, this God who leads with mercy, who leads with love. Does he love you? The answer is emphatically yes. He wants a relationship with you even more than you want it with him this morning. So I'm gonna invite us all to stand. I'm gonna pray for us. And as I do, I just invite you to open up your heart to him in whatever way or shape that would mean for you. And after that, the team's gonna lead us in a song and an anthem to declare the goodness of God. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning giving you thanks and glory and honor for who you are. As we sit with the mercy of you this morning, our hearts come to a spot to say thank you for your mercy. If it wasn't for your mercy, Lord, how could I stand? How could I even be? How could I even exist today? God, I pray for those in this place that are struggling with even receiving your mercy in their life this morning. Would you let them know fresh and anew of your love that extends, your grace that extends, your forgiveness that extends beyond whatever it is that they found themselves caught up in, that your grace extends that far. May they receive, Lord, the grace and mercy that you're offering right now. Lord, some of us in this place, we hear you, Spirit, speaking to us about moving beyond what it is that we've received and to give it away. Lord, would you help us to be intentional and be courageous, Lord, to offer compassion and mercy to those that we have in our lives, our sphere of influence. We choose to say yes to that today. And God, I pray for those in this place that don't have a relationship with you at all, who've only known you or known of you as a God of wrath and a God who is mean. But today we're hearing about you who was merciful, that Mary was willing to sing of your mercy. Today, Lord, I'm willing to risk on that reality. And so I'm saying, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior? Do you really have room for me in your kingdom? And Lord, we hear you answering yes. And so Lord, we receive you into our heart and into our life this morning. Make me brand new, make me a new creation. Lord, I pray for this congregation that you would make us to be marked and known as a people of mercy in a community that so desperately needs it. I pray that over us in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end 
is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom was boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The Share the parade. 